During Jesus' ministry, one of the primary ways he would instruct his disciples was through parables. People would gather from far and wide in order to listen to what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. And the most common way he would explain the kingdom was in parables. In this series, CMC Campus Pastors examine several parables of Jesus, exploring the rich truths they reveal about who Jesus is and what he came to achieve through his life, death, and resurrection. Now join Associate Pastor Paul Kern as he teaches on the parable of the lamp and the growing seed. Welcome to our last and final series in the parables of Jesus. If you want to go to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight, and we're just going to um, go ahead and read these. Tonight we'll be talking about the parable of the lamp starting out. And then we will move into the parable of the growing seed. So we're going to cover two different parables tonight as we're wrapping up this series. Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 21. Mark four twenty-one, And he said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed... And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And then we move into the parable of the growing seed. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest time has come. So we're looking at two different parables here. And I want to start out with the parable of the lamp. And, and, you know, this is something that probably all of us have heard. I mean, it's a very familiar um, parable. I think it's one of the ones that often gets quoted more often than some of the other parables that we see in Scripture. But there are three principles that I want to point out as we look at the parable of the lamp. For you that are taking notes... Here's what I want to focus on. Number one, the lamp that gives light. The lamp that gives light. Number two, light exposes hidden sin. Light exposes hidden sin. And then number three, those who respond will be given more. Those who respond will be given more. Now, the parable says no one ever places a lamp on a table out in the open and then covers up the light. I mean, that obviously defeats the purpose of light. That would be like us coming here, here tonight in this room and covering up all of these lights. We have them on, but we've got them covering them up, so they're not doing us any good. There's no benefit to the light. So the parable says nobody ever places a lamp on a table and then covers up the lamp. That, that defeats the purpose of the lamp. Now, Psalms 119.105, this is a familiar passage. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. How many of y'all have read that 
passage. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. All right, let's talk about the first principle, the lamp that gives light. The purpose of God's word is to bring light to our dark worldly environment. That's the whole point of God's word is to bring light into our life, light into our world. That's why the scripture says that we are called to be what? Salt and light. Now, it's foolish for somebody to read the Bible and then cover up the Word in your life. And that's basically what it's talking about. So, in the mornings, I always have my devotions. I'm always waking up every morning. I always get in my Word. I'm always in my devotions, and I'm reading the Word. Now, as I read the Word, if I, you know, set down my iPad, close out my Bible app, set down my iPad, and I walk out the door, and I don't apply what I just read. In other words, if if I don't take that word with me, if I don't bring the light of God's word to illuminate my day, what benefit did it do me? That would be like turning on a flashlight and it's dark and I set it on the table and I walk outside in the dark. I have a light, but I don't have the light with me. So the light is something that goes with us every day. So we set a lamp in a central location in our house. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you guys do this, but this is something that we do at our house. We have lots of candles in our house. Um, and we just kind of got into the habit of doing that for two reasons. One, because they smell good. And then secondly, because um, for many years out in our area, our power grid was very unstable. Now, it's gotten much, much better uh, than what it was many years ago. But many years ago, I mean, if you got a light rain or a small amount of wind, you lost power. And so we just learned you always have a lot of candles in different locations. And so you can go around and light those candles. And, you know, we would have one in the living room and one in the kitchen and one in each bathroom. And so we had them in these important locations, right? Because you want to have light where you live your life. And so every day we live our life. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't just need to have light at church. I need to have light at work. I need to have light with my family. I need to have light with my coworkers and my friends. I need to have light when I go to the restaurant. I need to have light when I'm out on, t- on the town, you know, with my wife or with my friends on the weekend. I want to have light with me. So we set a lamp in a central location so it can illuminate our path. It can illuminate our decisions that we make in life. Because we all face decisions and, well, I'm not really sure what I should do in this situation. And so I go to God's Word, and God's Word, come on, see it, it illuminates answers for us. Okay, here's what God's Word says about my finances. Here's what God says about how I should treat my neighbor. Here's what God says how I should treat my livestock and my animals. I mean, there's an answer for everything in the Bible. As we get God's Word in our life, it illuminates our decisions. Now, the Word is a lamp. It's to be seen by all, giving light to all. I take a lamp with me wherever I go when my path is unclear. How many of y'all have ever grabbed a flashlight and gone outside? You know, one of the, one of the great things that I love about phones today is they have a light. And I can't tell you the number of times as I'm getting older and my eyesight is not as good as it used to be, how many times I've used light to illuminate things for me that I cannot see. Light serves such an important purpose for us. 
So if we have light with us at all times, we can illuminate our path. We can illuminate our friends. I'm sure there's been many times that you guys at Teen Challenge have maybe some of you guys that have been there a little bit longer in the program. And you've been in the Word for a longer period of time because I know they have you guys in the Word a lot there, which is awesome. But I'm sure that you have guys that are, that are newer that come in and they may come to you and ask you questions about the Word. Or I know that y'all have studies that you do and maybe they're asking, what, what is the answer for this? I'm not sure. Where is that at? How do I find that? So some of you guys, you've been walking in the light for a longer period of time. You're able to illuminate things. Or maybe they come to you and they're frustrated. They're wanting to leave. So you can shed light on their situation. You know, because it's funny when we get ourselves in situations where we're frustrated and we want to leave, we forget about all of the hell and the problems that were out in the world before you came to Teen Challenge, right? Because we're in that situation where we're upset, we're mad, we're frustrated. So what we need is we need illumination. We need some light. We need somebody to speak some truth to us to illuminate, okay, that reminds me of where I came from, where God's taken me, and so I got to stay where the light is. Does that make sense? So we all have that in our life. So you set your lamp out in the open. You keep it with you at all times. If you have a lamp with you, it will help you when you come to a crossroads. And we all meet crossroads in life. We come to a place where you know, how should I handle this situation with my money? How should I handle this situation with my friend? How should I deal with this situation with my family member? How do I respond or react to this circumstance that's going on at work? And so there's been so many times that I've been able to either go to the Word specifically, like directly to the Bible, or I've been able to go to a friend or a spiritual leader in my life and say, hey, I need some illumination. I need some wisdom. And then they're able to give me light and I go wow I can clearly see that decision now where it was kind of dark I wasn't really sure exactly what I needed to do I didn't know if I need to go left or go right or go straight or or turn around and go a different direction that person or the word illuminated me and gave me direction how many of you have ever had that happen I mean time and time again the second thing that I want you to see the second principle is the lamp exposes hidden sin verse 22 says everything done in secret will be exposed. Now, when we do wrong, every human being's first instinct is to hide it. Nobody in here is exempt from that instinct. When we do something wrong, one of the first things that we want to do is we always want to hide what we have done wrong. We see this in the very beginning with Adam and Eve when they did what they weren't supposed to do of eating of the forbidden fruit off the tree of knowledge and good and evil. What did they immediately do? They hid And then God was like, where are you? What's going on? Everybody wants to hide and everybody wants to conceal their sin. Now, we have to recognize as born-again believers, even though we've been born again, even though we have Jesus living in our hearts, our carnal nature, our sin nature is going to automatically want to hide something. So what we have to do is we have to resist that and we have to fight against that. The Bible says, resist the devil, right, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Everybody wants to hide and conceal their sin, but it's clear that God is the all-seeing one. Nothing can be hidden from God's sight. 
Now, you begin to learn this when you're younger, okay? And I want to share with y'all a really funny story. Now, it wasn't funny to me at the time that it happened. It was terrifying. But I want to share with you a story that happened to me when I was younger. So when I was a teenager, we lived out in the country, and I grew up riding motorcycles, and I just love bikes and had a bunch of dirt bikes and stuff that I rode. And, but, you know, it just wasn't cool to wear a helmet. It, I mean, being young and wearing a helmet, that wasn't cool. Now, I lived 18 miles out in the country. Nobody hardly even saw me ride my motorcycle. I don't know why it was such a big deal to me. But in my mind, wearing a helmet was not cool. But my mom was, like, really insistent. How many of y'all know that kind of mom? My mom was like, you're wearing a helmet. And so me being the compliant, obedient son that I was, I put my helmet on, and we had about a, oh, it was probably about a 500-foot gravel road uh, until we got off of our farm and got onto an oil top road, and that oil top road was about three-quarters of a mile long, and we're, I'm talking out in the woods, so I would go to the end of our gravel road. I would turn left on our oil top road. I would drive three quarters of a mile down our oil top road, and I came to a crossroad intersection, which was still just oil top, just country road. I pulled my motorcycle off of the road. I got off and went out into the woods 100 feet, took my helmet off my head. There was an old dead tree stump. I put my helmet behind the tree stump, get back on my motorcycle, ride for a couple hours, felt real cool, went back when I was done, got my helmet, put it back on, went home, everything's perfect, except I'd done this for, I don't weeks, months, forever, except one day. I went to get my helmet from behind the tree stump, and guess what? My helmet was not there. Now, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm thinking, did I not put my helmet? You know, I'm, I'm doubting myself, and I'm asking, what did I do with my helmet? Where's my helmet? I, don't wear my-. I mean, I'm looking everywhere. And, and church, trust me, I lived out in the boonies. There were, they had a little a church out in my area and they held church once a month and that was about the only company that we got we lived way out in the country there in traffic hardly ever traveled that road and my mom had never seen me i was sure of it so i arrived back at my house without a helmet i walk into my house and I noticed sitting on the kitchen counter is my helmet. And my heart is like right here. And I'm thinking, how in the world? How in the world? And my mom is cooking dinner. And she doesn't say a word. And I'm not going to say a word either. So I fix me something to drink, you know, and... I'm sitting there, and Mom says, well, how was the ride? Oh, it was good. It was great. It was good. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. Well, um, where's your helmet? Um, well, it's right there. Oh, I know where it is. 
But where did you leave it? Well, uh, what are you talking about? And my mom just said, let me tell you something right now. And she looked me right in the eyes. And she says, God is always watching you. (laughs) And I knew it. I mean, I was raised believing in God. She said, God is always watching you. And she said, I'm going to tell you something right now. The Holy Spirit showed me your helmet in the woods, and I went and got it. Now, you talk about the arm raising, the hair raising up on your arm and the back of your neck. Now, my mom has gone to be with Jesus, and she never told me whether or not she saw me put it there or the Holy Spirit my entire life. I mean, I asked her later in my adult years, and she still would not reveal to me what, well, she always just told me the Holy Spirit led her there. So I have to assume that that's what the Holy Spirit did. Church, we have to remind ourselves that God sees everything. People don't, but God does. Even in our adult years, we have to remind ourselves that we will all stand before God and nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing will be hidden from the Lord. The Bible even says every idle word that comes out of our mouth, God will give an account for every single idle word. So God's, you know, And it's not hard for us to understand in the digital age that we live in because, you know, everything is recorded now, whether it be audio or video or whatever. It's very easy for us to understand things being stored in the cloud. But we have to to understand this truth. We have to teach this truth to our children. We have to teach this truth to our grandchildren that God is always watching. Why? Because this makes us better people. And it makes our world a better place for us to live in, to know that God is always watching God holds us accountable in every sin that we commit, whether it be in this life or in the life to come, will be exposed and brought out into the open. That, that is not meant to scare us, church. That is meant to protect us. You understand? That's meant to, my mom's goal for me was not to cause me not to have any fun. My mom's goal for me was to protect my head. And it's important that we see that as we're looking at how God deals with us in our own personal lives. The last principle that I want you to see is those who respond will be given more. Now, everybody wants to receive more. Well, if I, you know, if I ask you if you wanted more of whatever, maybe other than calories, you know, weight. I mean, pretty much more is always usually better, right? So more wisdom, more understanding, more peace more godly friends, more direction and a sense of purpose. Everybody wants more, but fewer willing to do what it takes to get more. Now, you guys at Teen Challenge, I want to talk to you just a minute. The more you listen, the more you apply yourself, the more you invest in your abilities, the more you will be given. Now, it didn't say if it's easy. It didn't say if it suits you right. You know, I, I had a, a guy that I went to Bible college with, and um, he was kind of a hard guy to receive from because of his personality. He just, his personality was just kind of obnoxious, and it was hard to deal with. But he was a really sharp guy. He was a smart guy. You know, and I just had a guy give, I was complaining to another guy at college about this guy. And 
the guy that I was complaining to was a guy that really got along with anybody. He was an awesome guy. He could walk into an argument. He could defuse it. He was just a, one of those kind of guys that you love having around because when people get really intense and they get in the flesh, he can walk in and he can cause things to settle down and everybody calms down and we get back in the spirit and things are going good. And so I was having a conversation with him and he said, Paul, let me give you just an analogy. He said, if you were in a desert and you were dying of thirst and you came upon a water spigot with a a really, really old, weathered, 75-foot water hose that the rubber was just rotting on it from being out in the sun, if you turned that water on and you drank through that hose, would it taste bad? And I said, oh, yeah, that would taste really bad. He said, but would it save your life? And I said, well, yeah, it would save my life. And he says, well, that's the way you have to be with truth. We don't get to pick how it comes to us. But we, get, we do get to decide how we're going to receive it. Now, you may have a leader there. You may have a counselor there. Even in our own personal lives, you know, uh, married couples, you know, your husband comes to you or your wife comes to you or you young people with your parents they come to you and they may not handle it the right way they may not present it to you in the right way but if you will receive it it can save you and that's what we've got to understand as we're looking at God's word the more you listen the more you apply yourself the more you invest in your abilities the more you'll be given and Jesus makes it clear that nobody is automatically entitled to more wisdom or more knowledge, or more blessings. We receive more when we respond to what we're hearing, and then we apply it. Now, Pastor Tim was my spiritual mentor for, you know, all of my young development as a, as a young guy in the Lord. You know, I was 23 is when I got saved, and, you know, Tim was my, basically my spiritual father, and, um, I have to be honest with you, there were several conversations that he had with me in his office that were not pleasant, that I did really not want to be there. It was painful for me. I'm talking really painful. As a matter of fact, there were a few times that I got openly rebuked. Now, I know y'all would never believe that Pastor Tim would do that, but I got a few of those from him. He actually was was a really great leader. But I didn't get mad. I didn't say, well, he's not going to talk to me like that. I didn't say, take this job and shove it. I'm going to go somewhere else. What I did was, is I took it. And I took it. And I took it. And there's been times in the last almost 26 years of being married that my wife has come to me and she has said, Paul Kern, da-da-da-da-da. And I had to take it. You got to take it. And it. But here's the great thing about it. If we will, we will be blessed for it. Amen. God will bless us. God will grow us. God will mature us. And God will continue to move us forward. So hear it, receive it, apply it, and you'll walk in God's blessings in your life. Amen. Let's move on to the parable of the growing seed. The first thing that we notice about this parable is its similarity with the parable in Mark chapter 4, verse 2 through 9. In some ways, the parable basically kind of expands on Jesus' teaching 
of how the good soil, which is a receptive heart, receives the seed, which is the word of God. So it's kind of expounding upon that. In the parable of the growing seed, Jesus tells of a man who scatters seeds on the ground, and then he allows nature just to take its course. So he's just taking seed, and he's scattering it on the dirt. I mean, he's just throwing seed out on the dirt. And as the man who sowed the seed goes about his business day by day, the seed begins to have its effect because seed's going to do what seed does, okay? Seed is designed to produce life. That's what seed does. Inside a seed is a, is a kernel of life, and when you scatter seed, it's amazing how it grows. Now, one important principle that we need to see in this parable is that we can't expect a harvest without first planting seed. And this is something that we got to really pay attention to because I didn't, I didn't really have this understanding when I was younger in the Lord. For example, I remember reading over in James and it said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who is generous and he'll give you wisdom. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And so I just, God, give me some wisdom. And I thought it was going to be like, you know, <laughs> it's going to follow me or something. Well, it didn't work like that. What God does is God allows us to be in circumstances and situations where our wisdom can grow, and then we begin to grow in wisdom. So it's important that we understand in this parable that we can't expect a harvest without first planting a seed. And I think a mistake that is made is when we expect a harvest in an area of our life when we sow something totally different. In other words, we're wanting peace, but we're sowing discord. Now, if if we want to have peace in our life, what kind of seeds are we going to have to sow? Seeds of peace. If If you want to have a home that's full of God's peace, and you want to get along with your children, and you don't want yelling, and you want you and your wife to get along well, and or maybe at your company, you want to have peace with your coworkers. Well, you're going to have to sow seeds of peace to be able to reap seeds of peace. Galatians chapter 6. Go to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to show you a scripture here. Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. Galatians 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now watch this. This is not a negative scripture. It's, it's neutral. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So this is how the kingdom of God operates every single day in our lives. The farmer scattering seed is what each of us do with the choices that we make every day and the words that we say out of our mouth every day. We're constantly planting seeds in the vineyard of our life. So if something is not working in your life the way that you want it to, you need to inspect what kind of seed you are sowing. And a lot of people, they just miss this. You know, I run into this a lot with our young adults that I work with. They deal with a lot of fear. 
they deal with a lot of anxiety, they deal with a lot of stress. These are the three things that I really see a lot in the young adults that I work with because I work with them a lot. And I begin to ask them, okay, what are you watching on Netflix? What are you listening to in your music? What are you meditating on every day? How late are you eating at night? What kind of food are you eating? What kind of rest are you getting? Now, these are all very important questions, and none of them really sound all that spiritual. But one of the things that I've noticed with people is there's a, there's a, <clears throat> there's a consequence and, or an effect and a consequence in life to everything that we do. And we can't seem to connect the dots and see how what we're watching on Netflix affects us emotionally. What we're listening to in our Spotify or in our iTunes or our Google Play, it affects us emotionally and mentally. What we're eating, our lack of sleep, our sleep habits, all of those things play an effect in us emotionally. So we have to learn as, as men and women of God... If something is not working in our life, if we've got something going on, we're unhappy, we're depressed, we're unfulfilled, we're lonely, we're stressed, we're anxious, we're overweight, we're sick all the time, whatever it is, you need to inspect what kind of seed it is that you're sowing in your life because every seed that we plant will produce over time. I think one of the things that gets us is, is that because when a farmer plants a seed, right, he doesn't wake up tomorrow mor- morning and you've got a full-grown tomato plant with tomatoes all over it. That's not how it works, right? There's a process, and it takes time. So in our own personal lives, because of that delayed effect of planting that seed, lots of times we feel like we can get by with things that we're doing, and we feel like they're not gonna, we're not going to experience the consequences of those things. But you have to understand, over time, they will get you. As a matter of fact, you don't even... You know, I was out walking around the campus yesterday. I was taking my dog for a walk, and I was walking around this auditorium. And I literally picked three huge handfuls of weeds just around these two beds that run up and down the side of this building. And you know what? Nobody planted out a single weed. They just grew. So weeds just naturally grow. So not only do you have to maintain de-weeding your life, and that's all the extra stuff that you allow to come in, but you also have to be very intentional with the seed that you sow in your life. Isn't this good? This is good preaching. I hope you're doing some good listening. Now, in this parable, it's clear that there's a partnership between God and the seed sower. God does not produce a crop independent of the seed sower, nor can the seed sower, by his limited ability, make the earth produce a crop. So God and man, we partner together to produce the kind of life that we want to have. Now, notice in the parable there's a sequence of events. First, the seed sprouts. See what it says. Then it produces stalks and a stalk, and then leaves. Then the head of grain. And then finally, fully developed kernels in the head. Now, you can't harvest that grain until it's completely mature. You have to wait for it to completely mature. So in other words, you know, if you plant a tomato seed 
and those, that tomato plant begins to grow, you can't get impatient and go out there and break off a little small round green tomato and expect that that's going to be delicious in your salad. It's not going to be good. There's a, there's a seed time in harvest. There's a process of planting seed and then a maturing and then it coming into a place where it will be a blessing in your life. And I think this is the area that gets people the most. And I especially want to talk to you Teen Challenge guys tonight that are here because this is the area that I see Teen Challenge guys miss it the most because this is the hardest one for all of us. And I'm not picking on you guys. It's really something for all of us. But I specifically want to exhort you and encourage you tonight. Many people miss their harvest by becoming impatient in the process. I'm going to say that again. Don't miss your harvest by becoming impatient with the process. You are in process. You know, if I'm building a house, I don't get three weeks into it and go, oh, I'm so frustrated with this house. No, I understand I'm only three weeks into it. I've got months to go before that thing's going to be livable ready, right? So I don't get frustrated with that process. I understand that I'm in a process. Ultimately, I'm going to get there if I will remain faithful to the construction process. Men, you're in in construction. Every single one of you are under construction. It'd be real easy for you to look at yourself and get frustrated. I'm not growing fast enough. I'm not getting a hold of this. I'm still dealing with my impatience, my anger. I'm still dealing with this lust. I'm still, you know, I'm still reacting to people when they come to me. You know, and I'm trying to get better, but I just get frustrated. And, and, and what we end up doing is we end up getting frustrated. And we just want to quit and give up. Forget it. Just forget it. I just give up. How many of y'all have ever said that? Just, just forget it. We've all, we've all been there. So many people miss their harvest by becoming impatient with the process and they abandon the seed that they planted. What you got to do is you got to protect that seed. And men, you got to understand the devil is after the seed of greatness that God has planted in your life. And if he can get you frustrated and make you quit early, you'll miss your harvest. You'll miss your harvest. Now, I want to encourage you with this scripture, Galatians 6, verse 9, and this is for all of us. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, some translations say, for in due season, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. And here's what I've always said. When is your due season? When is your proper time? The day after you quit. We can't quit. We can't quit. Now, we've all been there. We all would love to go from A to Z. But we've got to trust God with the process. The process. I want to end with this story. There was a pilot in an airplane, and he was taxiing to the runway to take off, and he spoke to the radio tower, and he says, um, this is flight, and he gave a number, and he says, ready for takeoff. And the tower says, this is the tower, radar tower, hold your position until you're clear. And then a couple of minutes later, the radio tower came over, and he says, flight, we'll just call it flight, you know, 795. Flight 795, 
you're cleared for takeoff. You're cleared for 5,000 feet. And so he begins to go down the runway. He powers up. He pulls back, and he gets up, and he gets up to 5,000 feet, and he levels off. And he says, this is flight 795. We've reached our altitude of 5,000. We're ready to continue ascent. And the tower comes back, and he says, stay in a holding pattern until you're clear. And in just a little while, you're cleared for 10,000. So he clears him for 10,000. And then a little while later, he clears the pilot for 15,000. And then a little while later, he clears the pilot for 20,000. And he finally gets up to his cruising altitude of about 28,000 feet. He puts it on all the pilot, and he's just cruising. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice. And he says to him, I wish you trust me like you do that radio tower. And he said, well, well, I, I, I do trust you, Lord. I, I do trust you. And God says, no, you don't. No, you don't, because you want to go from zero feet to 30,000 feet instantly. But you have to understand the radar tower can see things that you can't see. See, the radar tower has radar. He has ability to see 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20, 25, 30, where we have a limited view. We don't even know what tomorrow holds for us, much less what next week, next year, or 10 years from now holds for us. So what we have to do is we have to trust God in the process and know that God is, may put us in a holding pattern of 5,000 feet, and we can get really frustrated, but God just says, you just need to stay here for a while because there's danger at 10,000 feet. You're not ready for that level yet. I know you want to be at that level, but you're not ready for that level. So what you've got to do is you've got to be, come on, faithful where you are. Guard your seed. Watch over it. Keep it safe. Don't let anything come in and rob your vine. A Song of Solomon, in, I think it's chapter 2, verse 15, it says, It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Guard against the little foxes in your vineyard, the little compromises every day that we make that, that rob the fruit from our life. And so as we look at this parable of the growing seed, we've got to understand the process of seed time and harvest, how God watches over that to make it grow, but we have to cooperate with God to see that come to pass. My encouragement to you is don't dig up your seed. Be patient in the process. Trust God and God will make it happen. Amen? Let's give God a hand clap tonight. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. It is a lamp into our path. It is seed that produces fruit. God, help us to take your light with us everywhere we go. And God, help us to plant seed that produces good crops, and that we protect and be faithful and patient as it grows. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Christian Ministries Church Weekly Podcast. We want to take a moment to tell you about our internship designed for college-age young adults. Applied Life Leaders Academy has been equipping young adults for over 30 years, recognizing the cost higher education and the moral and ethical challenges students face today. Leaders Academy is designed to address those needs and more. LA is a nine-month internship tailored to give interns a biblical worldview and prepare them with practical life skills to meet the demands of adult life. If you have a soon-to-be high school graduate or a young person 18 to 25 years of age, LA is a great place for them to mature and find direction. 
For more information, visit our website at AppliedLife.com. Spots are limited, so we encourage you to register today.